Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Father, thank you for the privilege of hearing your word. We pray that you infuse yourself into us. Give us an encounter in your word. As we hear your word, let your spirit enter into us. And let this word be a blessing to all of us. Give us an encounter in you. Let your name be glorified. Let the scrolls be open. Let the pages be open. And let us see in the pages of scripture, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for you are faithful. In Jesus' name. And someone who believes shout a living amen. Amen. I mean shout, shout a living amen. Amen. It's exciting to hear God's word. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. And it's not the only thing we believe in as Christians. Now, if you don't believe in any of these things, I doubt your Christianity. Because the Bible says that the Christians are called believers. So go and preach the gospel. He who believes. So it's not about your behavior first. It's your belief. Christianity is your belief. So when you read Ephesians, which is uh, the book of Ephesians, is heaven's perspective about Christianity. Heaven's perspective about the church. You know, it starts, it's six chapters. First three chapters talk about what God has done and what we are supposed to believe. And then the last three chapters talk about what we do based on what we believe. So first three chapters talks about belief. Then the, next, the last part talks about behavior. The first three chapters talk about what we have been saved by. And then the next, the last one talks about what we have been saved for. The first three chapters talk about our justification. And the last three chapters talk about our our sanctification. It is only increasing. The the two must always go together. Our justification and sanctification. The two always go. It's only in Christianity you have justification first before sanctification. In all other religions we have, you have to do this so God will accept you. Christianity says God will accept you, then you, you can do it. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Ephesians is the portrait of God about the church. And Ephesians starts with what Christ has done for us. So it starts by saying, blessed be God the Father Almighty. Then it goes on to talk about the Son. Then it goes to talk about the Holy Spirit. So, in Christianity, what we believe is the bedrock of Christianity. In fact, when it says that I am the bread of life, you have to eat me. Eating him is not about what you eat, the communion or anything. John chapter 6, verse 35. He says that I am the bread of life. He who comes to me and believes. It has to do with believing. In fact, in John chapter 7, it talks about, the Bible says on the, verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, he stood out with a stood and we said with a loud voice that whoever is thirsty, let him come up to me and drink. For as the scriptures have said, verse 38 says that out, for out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. All right. So he, he said, for he who believes in me, Drinking has to do with believing. When he says that I'm the bread of life, you have to eat me. When you check the scriptures, it means belief. Christianity has everything to do with belief. So it's called the faith. So the faith, what is the content of the faith? The set of things we believe. 
that make us Christians is I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and the earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. And that didn't end the story. He ascended into heaven. Oh, I like the one that follows. And he's seated at the right hand of the God, the Father Almighty. That's not the end of the story. From thence, he's coming again. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. So they said, our king is coming. Our king is coming. So that is, the, that, that is the Christological confession, the confession about Christ, the things we believe and we are saying about Christ Jesus. That he died, he was, he, he was born, he lived, he died, okay, human death. He resurrected, he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. But he's coming back. He's coming to judge the living and the dead. You see, you can't take a dead man to court and imprison him. That's what makes the fight against terror a very tricky one. Because the man is ready to die. And you are thinking about the worst punishment you can give him is imprisonment. I want to die. So when the person is dead, you can't imprison, take the person to court. You can declare some things in court that this person did this and then affirm the fact that this person was guilty. But you can't punish the person. But this Bible says that Jesus Christ said, He's coming to judge those who are alive and those who are dead. Even if you go and die. But Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 talks about it's appointed unto man to die. Hebrews, Hebrews 9 27. It's appointed for men to die once. But after that judgment. So death is not the end of everything. Jesus is coming back to judge the living. Those who are alive and those who are dead. So if you die, you will still be judged. He's the judge. He's the only one who can do that. In fact, Paul puts it this way. I like it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and he says that I fought a good fight, okay? I finished my race and I've kept the faith and so on. See, all these things you've been talking about, theology and this and um, Christ died and there's justification, there's sanctification, there's a blessedness, all these things and about heaven and what has it got to do with us if it cannot be translated into an actual living? So, so, so there is, and then he says that I, I, fit, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've, I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. So what? He said, now, that's not the end of the story. The verse 8 said, there is now, therefore, finally, there is laid out for me a crown of righteousness. All right? A crown is coming. Which the Lord, who? The righteous judge. The Lord, what is he? He's the righteous judge. He's a judge. Why did I quote this? Because everyone will be judged. In Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Everyone will be judged. Acts 17.31, it says that because he has pointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has ordained. He has given assurance to, uh, of this to all by raising him from the dead. Everyone, the world is going to be judged. Everyone. There is a judgment day coming. People may not see what you're doing. The police may not see what you're doing. You can get away with a lot of things. But the judgment day, no one. Bible says that everyone's secret will be made bare. Both things that are done in the open and things that are done in the secret will be judged. That's, that's bad news for the atheists. Atheism is just an, an, an escape route, trying to escape. It's a conscious thing. Atheism is a matter of conscience. It's not a matter of intelligibility and sensibility. Because if you're intelligent enough, not everything points to you that there is something beyond this earth. There's something beyond this life. Every sensible person knows that. That's why the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart there's no God. Because it takes a, li- a high level of stupidity to say there's no God. 
Only a fool will, will, will argue against an evidence. Everything created points to the fact that there is a creator, there is a designer. There's more to life than what we see. Someone shout hallelujah. So, if you say, I don't believe, it doesn't change anything. Judgment is still coming. You can't try to pass laws and make legislations to excuse, excuse your evil heart. Because you are in power. You, you know what to do. You, know, you can convince people to make them believe that you are right. The Bible talks, God is righteous judge. Now, a very interesting, I can show you something. A day is coming when everybody will be judged. And guess what? Look at what um, Romans chapter 3 verse 19 says. He says that, see, see, watch it. Before I put Romans chapter 3 verse 19, well, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Watch me. They're very careful. Brothers and sisters, there's a difference between guilt, a guilt feeling, and the objective fact of guilt. Someone will say, I don't believe, I don't believe. What do you do with your guilt? About your guilt? What do you do with guilt? Because, you see, it is built in man. That's called conscience. It's built in man. Sometimes you can sear your conscience so that you don't feel guilty about something. Now, the fact that you don't feel it, like go to a court and then you have murdered someone and the judge said, I don't feel, I don't feel bad about it. It doesn't mean you are not guilty. So that's the objective fact of guilt. It's there. But sometimes you can work yourself in, in, into believing that you are not guilty so much that you consciously, you think I'm not. But the objective fact stays true that you are guilty. So there are two things about guilt. The Guilt feelings and objective fact. Sometimes people feel guilty because they're actually guilty. All right? Don't forget what I'm saying. People feel guilty because they're actually, they actually guilty. Because they know they are guilty. But there are times to other people are guilty. Have you realized that when we do something wrong and we, we are questioned, most of the time, we said, yeah, I did it, but because of, we give excuses. Hello? Yes. We're always fond of giving. Human, it's a human nature. To give an excuse for what you did. To give an excuse for the wrong you did. It's human. And so even though we, go, we, we, we do something wrong, somewhere deep in the recess of our mind, we still believe that you see, uh, it's because of this. But you know what the Bible says? that When you stand before God, it's righteous judge. When God tells you you are guilty, you can't say, because you, you will know he's right. So in Romans chapter 3 verse 19, he says that, that every mouth will be stopped. Now we know what, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth will be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. Just stand before God. You can't say, oh, God, you know. No, you, you see, you, God, when God says you are guilty, you even know that God is so right. You don't have any opportunity. No opportunity. You don't have, you can't say that God is. It's too obvious. You know it. Every mouth will be stopped before God. So the fact that someone said, I'm not guilty, doesn't mean he's not guilty. Before God, the Bible calls him the righteous judge. His judgments are so impeccable. His judgments are so pure, so perfect, that you, you, you just know that this is so true. There's nothing I can do about it. That your mouth will be stopped. So this is how Paul puts it. Oh, what a wretched, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? Because, ah, Jesus, sin is a problem. Sin is a big problem. Tell someone, sin is a big problem. Yeah, the problem of sin. The problem of sin. That is why people perish. Sin! In Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You were born in sin. You were born in sinner. Uh, we, we become so 
um, politically correct that sometimes even in church we don't want to mention sin. Yes. So someone wants to give his life to Christ and say that, say after me, that I know I'm a sinner. We don't want to say it because we don't want the person to feel sorry. You are a sinner. You know it. You know it. You know it. You come to hospital and behave like you are not sick. But you know you are dying. You can't even walk. So I want to shout mercy. And I heard a great man of God who was, he said he met a Muslim on a plane and so and they were talking and having deliberations, conversations about religion and then he told him about his God, his God, just briefly, I'm a preacher and all that. And the Muslim said, oh, wait, I'm a Muslim, you know. And, and I, think, I think the conversation he asked about, so what does Allah say about your sin? He said, oh. He asked him, will Allah punish your sin for your sin? He said, Oh, yeah, I think so, you know. And the, the, have you seen, I've done a lot of it. In fact, I'm on my way to Las Vegas to go and commit more sins. <laughs> and and the, 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 what's he got? And he says that, I don't know. Maybe Allah may forgive me. Or, I don't know, but I know that I'm a sinner. Because there's no guarantee that Allah may forgive me. And he said, I have the news for you. He will never forgive you. <laughs> he, can't, he won't forgive. The kind of God we're talking about, he doesn't just forgive. He can't forgive you. He said, really? He said, yeah, so you are going to hell straight. But there is hope if you can accept the work of Christ. This, the same problem is a big problem. When someone is making all the noise about, I know this, I know, what are, you going, what are you doing with your guilt? There are people who talk big, big theology, but they, they know. They are guilty. They have this guilt feeling and the objective uh, fact of guilt. They are guilty and they know they are guilty. And some can't even sleep. That's why Bible says when you, some of them, when you mention the name of Christ, they don't want to hear it. It's not because they are, they don't, they say I'm not religious. But someone just mentioned Muhammad, that was okay for you. Someone mentioned Inshallah, that's okay for you. Someone said Allah Akbar, that's okay for you. But why did I say that? Oh, Jesus is Lord. He said, hey, 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 hey. don't make it here, don't make it here. Why? Because of the guilt of sin, they don't want it. When Jesus just just told them that cast your net into the sea, and they caught so much fish, they caught so much fish. How many of you agree with me that Peter is a Jew? They thought all night. Money. They thought all night. They caught nothing. The guys experienced fishermen. They thought all night caught nothing. Jesus came. He said, cast your net into the your net into the into the deep. And Bible says that Peter said, we've not caught it. He said, just do it. They obeyed him. And then Bible says that when they did that, and Bible says that they caught so much fish that their boats began to sink. Now, when they came to shore, now, when they came to shore, do you know what Peter said? Fisherman, a businessman. Why do I do? You want more fish? Peter came to him, and then he said, Peter, when they came ashore, Peter came to Jesus, he said, please, depart from me. He should have said, let's turn a deal. Just show me where the fish is. Anytime I get with catch, you have your deal. You have got your cut. Peter said, ah, depart from me. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. The reason why people are shying, shying away from God is because of the problem of sin. When the holiness, have you choosing it? Maybe you go to, I've been to all kinds of places, you know, like um, my friends, uh, naming ceremony, Christian. You go there and people don't know who you are. And then someone said, oh, that guy's a pastor. All of a sudden, people can't dance. Just the presence of a godly person, the presence of godness makes people want to shut up. Because of the issue of sin. 
That's why Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 talks about how because of Christ, we have peace with God now. We have peace with God. We, have, we can come boldly before the throne of grace because we have peace. Romans said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I got no problem with God. Mention him, I'm excited. To bring him on and I'm excited because I got no problem with God. Why? Now, so I believe it, from this it shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sin. Someone lift up your right hand and say, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Say it again. I because if there were no, there was no forgiveness of sins, you and I are in big, deep, deep trouble. Yeah. In Romans chapter 4, it talks about the blessedness of forgiveness. The greatest blessing on earth is not the new car you are driving. The greatest blessing is not a husband or a wife or a baby or a job or some money. The greatest blessing on earth is not how many people you know or political appointment you receive. The greatest blessing on earth is the blessing of forgiveness of sin. The forgive, forgiveness of sins is a big thing. So Romans chapter 4, it talks about how the, the fact that we, uh, David even spoke about the blessedness of him. Abraham believed God. Romans 4 from verse 3. Abraham believed God and it, it was accounted for him. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, belief in Christianity, belief is a big thing. Forgiveness of sin. I've said this before, but let me interject to say it. There is nothing like forgiveness of sin in the Bible. It is forgiveness of sins. Uh, okay. God, didn't you have many of them? Yes. Some of us listening, you have many. Sins. He died for our sins. Forgave us our sins. Forgiveness of what? Sins. Plenty of them. He covers all of them. Forgiveness of sins. Bible says that, uh, listen, in Christianity, everything falls, rises and falls on belief. Faith. That's why we're talking about what you believe in. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of sin, forgiveness of sin, uh, forgive, uh, communion of, forgiveness of sins. Now, put back on the screen, Acts chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4, talks about how that, um, Romans chapter 4, talks about how we, uh, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Get your acts together, okay? <laughs> May God forgive you all your sins. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Romans chapter 4 verse 3, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The verse 4, Romans 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace. But as they, if you work, they pay you, they have not done any favor. That's, right. That's yours. So forgiveness of sin is not something that you, you deserve. Now watch this. No one merits forgiveness of sins because there's no much you can do to merit it. So it's not a meritorious act. It's not merit. It's mercy. The grounds of forgiveness of sins is the grounds of mercy based on the meritorious act of Christ. Someone did it that you can be forgiven. All right. Verse 5. Verse 5 talks about, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is is accounted for righteousness. You see, they believe there. You didn't do anything. You just believed. And it's accounted to you. God said, okay, you are in now. You are in. Justification means you are in. 
You didn't have to do anything. It's not based on what you have done. It's based on what he has done. So if you can believe, put your faith in him, just come in. You are covered. But I'm, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Say, I'm forgiven. Then the verse, verse, verse 6, watch this, watch this. Verse 6 talks about, just as David also described the blessedness, see the blessedness, the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness, apart from, you didn't do anything, but God has taken care, cleared your sin, and he has imputed, say imputed. imputed. There, there's a difference between imparted righteousness and imputed righteousness. When you talk about make an input in an account, it's something that is there, and your account has been just credited. They have loaded righteousness. You haven't done it, but when they look at your account, wow, Boku righteousness. So he has imputed the, the impeccable righteousness. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed into your account. Why? Because she believed. David said, this is the, when we talk about blessing, this is blessing. The blessing of Abraham is actually the blessing of forgiveness of sin. The blessing, is, watch this, uh, the, the blessing of imputed righteousness. So Abraham believed and it was, it's, it's, yeah, we just read it. When you read from verse 1 of chapter 4, it said, what shall we say that our father Abraham has found, found according to the flesh? Nothing. So Abraham's whole thing didn't start with what he did. He started with what he believed. And he said, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Say it. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Some of you can say it. Say it. Because of my time, huh, let me just uh, make uh, a bit of uh, clarification. Before I go into that, um, I think it would be nice we all look at Luke chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus looked at a certain man and he told the man, your sins are forgiven. Hey! He said, to the, your sins are forgiven. Uh, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus! Now look at the, what the aspects of the law. They knew the book. They knew theology. So you can't just come and say, verse 21, look at what happened. And then the scribes, and you know who scribes are? Scribes. They deal with the books. Scribes, the doctors of the, and the scribes, and the, now, just pause that. Go to verse, verse 17. Look at, look at it. Look at verse 17. And it happened on a certain day. As Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of what? The law, sitting by. Teachers, teachers. They were teachers of the law. When you talk about law, we are not talking about the constitution. Talking about the law was, which was given. They were the one who could and interpret it and make you understand. Now they were sitting down. They brought this man. And Jesus looked at the man in verse 20. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then the guy said, hey. Verse 21. They said, who? Who is this? Uh, who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And watch this. I'm about to drop a major statement. Even God cannot just forgive sins. It will be injustice. How can God call you who are guilty, free, innocent? When you are guilty, it's injustice. And he remained just. Romans chapter 3, verse, I think, 25, I think so. That God might be just and the justifier of those who believe. Can you imagine? You, 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 are, you, are, you are guilty. And then God is... So, so that he, God, talk, you see the capital H, he might be just and the justifier of the one who, uh, who has faith in Jesus Christ. So as soon as you have faith in Jesus Christ, God declares you just. He declares you righteous. Now, God cannot declare an, a, a guilty person innocent and he remain just. That's unjust. On what grounds are you declaring a thief? The guy, we've seen, we have seen him stealing and we, bring, we brought him to the court. Now, he's got all the things he stole. 
with him. And he's telling you that, judge, you know, I stole. And then the judge looks at him. He said, no, no, you haven't done anything wrong. Go. Ah! You cannot be a, a, a righteous judge. So, but here, he said that, so that, what, put it back on the screen, verse 24, that God might be just, that, you see, that, you see the word that, yeah. that, to demonstrate the presence of his righteousness, that God might be just and the just. So, two things. He's justifying an ungodly, according to four, Romans 4, 5. He justifies the ungodly. You are ungodly and God says you are a just man. Justify, and then he's doing that and at the same time might be just. Why? He did some things previously so that he might be just and the justifier of those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that? So, so who, God doesn't, God, what I'm trying to say, God can't just even forgive sins. He doesn't have, he can't do that. Other than that, he'll be unjust. So, what was the grounds, what is God's grounds on which he, he forgives sinners? Or, or forgive sin. The, the Pharisee said, who is this man who forgives sin? He, he, he said to the sinner, he said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven. They started having problems. And then verse chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 verse 23 again, he repeats it. Verse 23, he repeats it and tell, tells the man, which, uh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say rise up. Which one is easier? I can just tell it. But I chose the hard one. I could have said rise up, but I chose the hard one. To forgive sins. Look at Luke chapter 7, verse 48. Luke chapter 7, verse 48. The same thing happened. Jesus Christ was walking on earth and for, he, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus said to somebody, yours, ah, but who is this guy? Because you can't, the, 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 the problem of sin is a big problem. No human being has a solution to that problem. Because all have sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, sin will pay you, is death. So, the whole world is in under guilt. Sin pays. It pays. It has wages. Just that it doesn't pay you immediately. It said buy now, pay later. Watch this, watch this. So, then verse 40, 49, Luke chapter 7 verse 49. Listen to what Jesus said again. And uh, so look at what they said. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? That's a strange. The only one, hey, listen to this. The only one who could walk on earth and tell someone your sins are forgiven. No religious leader can do that. They, go, they don't have it. They don't have it. We are here to find out about how he for even the other religions forgive sins. On what grounds? Therefore, see, on what grounds are you going to say someone is forgiven? On what grounds? Because the person has to pay for what they've done. So on what grounds? First Timothy chapter 1. Bible, Paul talks, I think, in the verse I, um, 12, 13, and 14. Somewhere particular, I believe it's in verse 13. Verse 13 talks about how Christ came to die for sinners, save sinners, of whom I'm chief. <laughs> <laughs> Paul said, I'm a chief sinner. First Timothy chapter 1. He talks about how I'm a chief sinner. Christ came to die. This is, he said, listen, verse 50 said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of, you have to accept it. Worthy of all acceptance. That Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Christ came to save sinners because to be a sinner means to be in trouble. And you are on your way to hell. And hell is not a nice place. Even if someone on earth, someone tells you I'm going through hell, it just can give you an idea what the person is going through. <laughs> how, how much more you are now living in the permanent residence of hell 
citizen of hell. So, he says that in him, say in him. Say in him. Who is the him there? Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have forgiveness of sins. We Christians have forgiveness of sins. I'm not talking about nominal Christian. You are Christian because your parents are Christian. You are born in a Christian family because you go to church. No, I'm not talking about that. Forget, drop it, drop it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You are living for Jesus Christ. Then you can talk about, I'm, I'm in him. And he said, in verse 7 again, he says that for in him, if you are not in him, forget what I'm talking about. That's right. It starts in him. We, you, you, because watch this. You owe the debt. He came, he came to live to pay the debt. Then when you come in him, he gives you his righteousness and he takes your sins. It's a great exchange. Yeah. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 14, says the same thing. That we have forgiveness of sins in Colossians 1 14. We have forgiveness of sins. Alright. In, uh, in, uh, in whom? See the in there? You see that? In whom we have redemption through where his blood. Forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. If you are born again, Christian, you have been forgiven. If you are born again, you have if you are not born again, there is no hope for you. You are actually going to hell. That's the truth. Anyone listening to me and you are not born again, your prospects are very grim, very bad in life. Because guess what? You can have a new car, new house, good job, and fa- nice family. But guess what? You are actually going to H E L L hell with four L's at the back of it. Hell. Because the problem of sin is a big problem. It's a big problem. It's a critical problem. It's the greatest blessing is the forgiveness of sins. Being imputed righteousness. Bible says that, well, watch this. Bible talks about how, who? Are you ready for this one? In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I like the verse 18. I like the verse 18. Then you can read through the verse 21. Bible says that he became sin for us. Uh, he who knew no sin, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of uh, righteousness of God in, in, in Christ. Um, first, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eighteen. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself. Did you see what God did? He He, he reconciled us to Himself. We are we are loggerheads with God. Sin puts us as loggerheads. Puts us puts us at loggerheads with God. That's why Romans talks about we, um, we, in, we have peace with God through faith. We are justified. So, he's, he's, all things are God who has reconciled us to, to himself through faith. Now, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing. See that instead of imputing your trespasses against you, your account is full of negative, red, 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 negative trespasses against them. He, he was rather imputing, when you come to him, he imputes righteousness into our account. God, that's, listen, this is the act of God. How did he do it? He was doing it in Christ. So when he was on the cross, when he was on the cross, what he was doing is, God was working. On the cross, he was working. He was at work on the cross. He was not just that, he was working. What was he working? He was working forgiveness of sins for us. Forgiveness of sins. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And when you go, when, that's why I said, he who the son says free, is free. You're actually free. Roman, uh, John chapter, um, chapter 8 verse 30 says, he who the son says free, is free. He was working forgiveness for us on the cross. In 1 in Peter chapter 2 verse 24, look at that. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he said, who, who himself bore our sins. Did you see that? Where? In his body on the tree. On the tree means on the cross. When he was on the cross, he bore our sins on the cross. Who himself bore our sins on the, on the cross that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are. On the cross, he was bearing the sins that were in your account was emptied into his account. Mm. In his body. Yeah, he was sinless, but he was buried. That's when he cried, Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken because of the sins of these people? But even if you were the only sinner in the world, he would have still gone to the cross. He was reconciling the world to himself. That is the good news. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you have done. There is forgiveness of sins for God. Did you hear what I said? The problem is that many Christians say, but pastor, you don't know the things I've done. I had, I had a great man of God say, someone came to him and said that, I, I don't know. I've been, I, I've been, I sinned and I went to God. I've been, I've been praying for forgiveness and I've prayed so many times. Pastor, I'm struggling. I don't, I don't feel forgiven. And the pastor said, what should I do? He said, Pastor, what should I do? The pastor looked at him. He said, you have to repent. He said, that's what I've been doing all along. God. He said, repent of your sins. That's what I've been doing all along. Repenting, asking God forgive. No, I'm not talking about the things you have done. Repent of the fact that you think God won't forgive you. What makes you think that God can forgive sins and God can forgive your sin? After all Christ did, Christ, that's why Christ did so that, and then when he forgives you, you are actually forgiven. Forgiven. The problem is that sometimes you are forgiven, but the, the guilt feeling still will stay because you don't know well. You don't know much, and you have not, you have not exercised yourself. In the way. So there are many people who are forgiven, but they still feel, I've not been forgiven enough. I've not done enough for my forgiveness. I have to do. You can't pay for your sins because the wages of sin is dead. So if you are paying, then you are, you are dying. So by the father you are that's watch this. That's why Jesus came to die. It was statistically proven by experts, the highest legal authority in the damn world, that Jesus was without sin. Yes. So why should he die a sinner's death? Jesus, before he died, they said, who should I release? Jesus or Barabbas? They said, Barabbas. So Barabbas, the criminal, said, go. Jesus took his place and Barabbas went free. You can't accuse him because he's now set free. There and then he was set free. It was a statement that he yes. came to set sinners free. Yes. And guess what? He died on the cross with criminals. Left and right. Criminals. Convicted criminals. Convicted and executed. Convicted criminal and judged to execution. Condemned to death. He was condemned with them. And yet he was faultless. Now, watch this. This is the big one. So then what happens to you? When... When you come in Christ, Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, what does it say? What does it say? I can't hear you. Let's all read it out together. Therefore, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus shall no condemnation. Shall no condemnation. 
you know what condemnation is? After judgment, you have been condemned to rubbish. Sometimes manufacturer prints several books and one of them is so bad, they can't use it. It's condemned, just throw it away. And anyone who is not in Christ is already condemned. Jesus didn't say you are, he said you are already condemned. I think in John chapter 5, verse 24, he said, he who believes in the Son of God will have life. He who does not believe is already, see, you were already condemned. He, for God, so did you see that? He said, everlasting life shall be judged. Uh, he, by his foot, his life in it. That's not the one. There's another one we talked about. He's already condemned. I think John chapter 3 instead. The point is, for God so loved the word that he gives you, whosoever believes it should not perish. You're already perishing. So when you are in Christ, you have forgiveness of sins. Let me just add one, uh, two more scriptures to just help somebody here. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, I like that one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Why? Why? Not because of what you did, but because of him. The grounds of forgiveness of sins because of him. Now, I said something, I didn't finish. Let me just land on that. You see, when God forgives you, he's forgiving you permanently. Now, I said it before. According to, watch this quickly. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, verse 18 and 19, it talks, by, it talks about how we have been saved from our, from our uh, evil tradition and all that. By the precious, verse 19 talks about we have been saved by the precious blood of the lamb. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without what? Now, why did he mention lamb? In those days, when you are bringing a lamb for the atonement, whatever, the high priest will have to examine the lamb and make sure the lamb has not got defect and lies and sickness, you know. So you, the lamb must be pure and without blemish. So when they, they, they sin, they have to bring a lamb without spot so that their sins will be covered. Doesn't mean it was taken away. It is only Jesus Christ. That's why when he showed up, John the Baptist said that, Behold the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verse 29. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All right? He takes it away. All right? The Bible says that he nailed it to the cross. All the handwriting of the was written against us. He na- took it away, nailing it to the cross. He wiped it off. So, now, so what they were doing in those days, because, watch this, you can't have relationship with God with your sins. And so if the sins were there, there must be, the sins must be covered. It's called in those times atonement. And in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 21, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there cannot be, there cannot be remission of sin. Your sins cannot be removed. So blood must flow for sin because the wages of sin is death. All right. So for you to receive that, you have to bring a lamb for the lamb to be executed. So when you're bringing the lamb, you bring your lamb to the high priest who is trained. And his job, do you know what? His job is to examine. You remember, Jesus was a lamb without spot. It was without blemish. So his job is to examine, examine the lamb. Who did the sinning? Okay, let's, let's say I'm representing you. Who did the sinning? Okay. And then who is being examined? The high priest examines the lamb, not the sinner. Because the lamb that is going to die for the sins. So they examine the lamb. So stop people of God exam. It's not you. It's examining Christ. To, so it's not you. It's not you. You have no question. Clap for Jesus. It's not about you. We have forgiveness of sin in him. So he's the one who comes under the spotlight of God. With God's big, 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 big microscope. He, he examines him thoroughly. Yet without fault. So without blemish. Then he said, okay, this is acceptable for, for forgiveness of sins. 
So what, that's why if we are forgiven, it's big deal. We Christians have, watch this, we have serious forgiveness of sins. Shout, I'm forgiven. Shout, I'm forgiven. And the beautiful thing is that if he forgives you, he has deleted every record of it from the heaven's computer. Now, look, watch, watch this. Watch this. This is the, one of the best ones you're about to hear. And then because there's going to be judgment, when they come and they are judging, those sins that have been forgiven won't show up because it's deleted. It's not there. And you too, you are walking around. Will God forgive me? Drop it! Drop it! So how would I... Okay, I'm a Christian. Once you are a Christian, you are forgiven. Your sins have been wiped. But I'm a Christian. I've sinned again. What should I do? In First John chapter 1, verse 9, he says that if we confess our sins... Hey, did you hear that? If we confess our sins... First John 1, 1, 9. If, if, let's read it out loud. Louder, loud, loud. Let's go. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. One more time. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. What do you have to do? You, when you have sin as a Christian, what do you have to do? You confess your sins. And then what happened? He leave the rest for him. And the Bible says that he doesn't have a choice. He's faithful. He's just. If, actually, if he doesn't forgive you, that's injustice because that is righteous judge. That's, so he does. Why? Because there are grounds. Christ, the blood of Christ. The, the, uh, Bible says the blood of the Lamb is speaking on your behalf. Speaking better things. Speaking better things. That's why he said, let us now come boldly before the throne of grace. Because there is blood speaking for you. And you know what? When he resurrected from the dead, he ascended into heaven. Sat at the, at the right hand of God. Interceding for you. Interceding on your behalf. Asking for mercy. Lord, forgive him. Lord, forgive him. Shall I have forgiveness of sins? Let me, let me conclude this message. So that if you are a Christian, you have to know some of the things, one of the things that is cardinal in your belief is I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Yes, don't say I just have faith in Jesus. You also, your, your faith must translate into believing in the forgiveness, not believing in new cars, receiving blessings. The real blessing is the forgiveness of sins. Can you imagine? So when he says, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of sins, then he goes, forgiveness of sins, that's where you come in the question. If you are telling me all these things, where, does, where do I fit? You. Forgiveness of sins is your portion. Someone said, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. To the extent that when he taught us to pray, when you pray, ask for forgiveness. Forgive. Because, you see, there is grounds for your forgiveness. Provision has been made for your forgiveness. So he said, if you confess your sins, then he is faithful because everything, provision has been made for your forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And then, don't let that and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at carries.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.